0: The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Welcome to the Jesse Blake Sports Report, whether it is your first time here or your last time here or somewhere in between. I appreciate that you are here right now for us to discuss the Edmonton Oilers, the team that I am declaring. I'm putting a flag in the top of the mountain. I guess that's where you put flags. I'm I'm putting the flag into the ground and saying the Edmonton Oilers have the worst start to the season of any NHL team this year. It is because on top of everything that has gone on amongst their 3-1 and 1 start to the year, the Edmonton Oilers today learned that they will be missing Connor McDavid for one to two weeks with what they are deeming an upper body injury. Based on the replays that we've seen, I don't necessarily think it's an upper body injury. It looks like a mid body injury. McDavid in the third period of Saturday night's game against the Winnipeg Jets, which we will dissect in detail because it is very important to the narrative of the Edmonton Oilers. Connor McDavid during that game in the third period, he collided with Josh Morrissey. This is where we think the injury happened because after that, Connor McDavid did not play the rest of the game. He missed the rest of the minutes in the third. He missed overtime, was not out there. When he After he collided with Josh Morrissey, he went over to the bench and he looked to be pointing to his hip. He looked to be holding on to his hip area. So that's why it doesn't really seem like a upper body injury. It seems like a mid-body injury of McDavid holding on to his hip. Jay Woodcroft, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers, said to the media, I didn't walk back there yet. I'm guessing to the trainer's room is what he's referring to. He says, I didn't walk back there yet, but it looked to be more muscular just to me as I watched during play. Looks like McDavid has some sort of muscular injury in the hip area that's going to cause him to miss one to two weeks. Now, my heart right now goes out to Edmonton Oilers fans. Because of one reason, and that is this Sunday, the Edmonton Oilers are playing the Calgary Flames in the Heritage Classic. They're playing it at Commonwealth Stadium in beautiful Alberta, and it's the Battle of Alberta, and it's outdoors. It's going to be wonderful, and Connor McDavid should be there. And it is such a shame. He got injured on Saturday night, and now he has to miss the outdoor game, the Heritage Classic, at Commonwealth Stadium on Sunday. What a shame! That is just the worst of the news on top of all of the other awful news that has happened so far in this season for the Edmonton Oilers. Now that we got McDavid's issues out of the way, who has had, a, by McDavid's standards, a slow start to the year, and now this injury, it's only not great. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's move on to Vander Kane, who also made headlines Saturday. A number of players made headlines Saturday. The next one on the list is Vander Kane, who during intermission, the second intermission, uh, he spoke to Scott Oak. When Scott Oak asked him about his fight with Brendan Dillon, he fought Brendan Dillon in the second period, Evander Kane said this. He said, I didn't play a lot in the first period, so I m- so I figured I might as well get into a fight and take seven or eight minutes in the box. Holy cow! That is Evander Kane, who's probably the top, uh, I don't know, fourth, third, fourth, fifth forward on the Oilers, depending on how you rank uh, the Hyman, Nuge, Kane trio, depending on how you have them there. He's, he's one of the top three, four, five forwards on the Oilers, um, played eighth most minutes there, uh, in the game last night. So he wasn't happy with his time on ice during that first period that he was complaining about. He had, let me just double check here how many minutes he had during the first period. He had three minutes and 29 seconds of ice time, which Evander Kane doesn't think is enough in that second period when he fought Brendan Dillon. He ended with 3.52, and then Jay Woodcroft did play him uh, six minutes and 43 seconds in the third period and overtime for a total of 14 minutes. Eek, not a lot on ice during this game. So there you have one of your best forwards in the lineup calling out your head coach after a very slow start to the year. This is not what the Oilers need. I'm not too upset with Evander Kane for calling out his head coach because I like when players stand up for themselves. I like if he, if he's frustrated with his ice time, it's like, OK, you can say this behind the scenes. Or if you have an actual gripe and saying it publicly is what you want and you want that reaction from because Evander Kane's got to know that him saying that to Scott Oak on Hockey Night in Canada. I know it's the late games, not the premier seven o'clock game, but it's still on Hockey Night in Canada. It's going to go viral. You know, it's everybody's going to be talking about it. Me right now on this this podcast that you're watching are talking about the clip. Evander Kane had to know that there are repercussions for speaking about this during intermission. So if he knows all that and he still agree and he still thinks it's a good idea to go say it, then I'm all for him going that route to get what he wants, which is clearly more ice time. He's upset. He told the media he's going to go tell his head coach. And if he doesn't tell the head coach, the head, Jay Woodcroft knows now because he said it to the media. I don't think Jay Woodcroft has been the problem, but it's kind of being set up right now that he might be the one to blame for the issues, which I don't think he should be, because I think there's a lot of player personnel issues, and the way the team is playing isn't up to their standard, which unfortunately falls along the head coach, but I think at some point you need to start blaming the players. I don't know if anything's going to come of it, but Evander Kane clearly just really upset. He was bumped to the third line during the game. as ice time dips. Does this get you more ice time and backup playing with McDavid? Backup playing on the second line, even if, if they split up dry side and he's on the second line with dry side. I don't know if this is the route to go to get you out of the doghouse of the third line. Now with McDavid's injury, probably yes, just by default, but we'll see if anything comes of it. So as I mentioned, the Jets beat the Edmonton Oilers three to two in overtime on Saturday. The game tying goal, the second goal by the Winnipeg Jets, the ones that that forced it to overtime. It was scored by Nemestikov off of a play of Ayafalo when Stuart Skinner did the thing that Steve Dangle always yells about. When you're a goaltender, you are supposed to tend the goal. Now Stuart Skinner came out of his net, way far out of his net as the puck was charging towards him. He goes all the way, all the way. Out near the faceoff dot. He tries to poke the puck over Ayafalo's stick. It does not work. Ayafalo grabs the puck. He goes around the end. He banks it off of Nemestikov, who finishes the job. After the game, they ask Stuart Skinner about the play, allowing the game-tying goal to be scored in the Near towards near the end of the second period. He went on to explain that he hesitated a bit coming out of the net. He thought Nurse also hesitated coming back towards the puck and that they both kind of hesitated and that led to the indecision where he got caught up in Ayafalo skates, and he couldn't he wasn't able to tip the puck past him, and that led to the goal. So there's a whole bunch of miscommunication on the play about who was gonna play the puck. And Stuart Skinner, your job is to tend the goal. Maybe you should stay in your goal. And for Edmonton Oilers fans, this was the game where you actually got the good goaltending you were looking for. Like Stuart Skinner was was fantastic. I I shouldn't say fantastic, but he was good. He was a good he had a good game last night, but his good game was truncated by allowing the game tying goal. That's what you can't do. That's that's those are the little things that the Edmonton Oilers have been facing all season long where Even if they have a good game, they make a lot of little mistakes, and those little mistakes lead to goals. And the Edmonton Oilers had the game right there, you know? And it's an unforced error that allows the other team to come back and tie it and then eventually win it in overtime. And speaking of of just going into the third period in overtime, the Edmonton Oilers, this was from Mark Spector's article on Sportsnet.ca after the game, the Edmonton Oilers haven't haven't scored a third-period goal all season long. What an... Odd thing for a team that's built on offense. They're five games into the season, they're still searching for their first third period goal. Like, wow. That is astonishing. Especially considering they won one of their games previously. Six to one. Like they beat the Predators six to one this year, and they still haven't scored a third period goal. Last thing on Saturday's game, Dry Sido. Dry side in overtime is is it like I get three on three is just a crapshoot? It is a coin flip, but Drysaddle's mistake led directly to the Jets scoring an OT goal. Like that's that's what happened in the pond hockey crapshoot flo- coin flip three-on-three overtime. That's what happened. Um, And that's the fact of the matter. Drysaddle made a mistake and it led directly to the Jets scoring goal. And then let's just go past Saturday and look back just at the the rest of the season and how it's unfolded just so we can get a grasp of how we've reached this point where the Oilers have the worst start of any team in the National Hockey League. They lose Saturday to the Jets. We've covered that. The loss to the Flyers on Thursday was just a complete lack of effort loss you know there's just nobody showed up to play on thursday in philadelphia and if they just if they play up to their capabilities they don't lose that game 4-1 and it comes off of a tuesday victory in nashville where it looked like hey there's our oilers 6-1 everything's clicking dry saddle mcdavid played the majority of the game together they're back at it let's go 6-1 and before that it was a Back-to-back losses to open the year uh, to Vancouver. And that, that Vancouver game on the Saturday, a week ago, yesterday, where they outshot Vancouver heavily to start the game and then fade it. And then fade into the abyss. And then on opening night, they opening Wednesday night, I should say, they didn't play on opening night, they lost 8-1 to the Canucks. And that's been the season. That's been their five games. Two bad losses to the Canucks, where the Canucks handed them their lunch because the Canucks looked good this year. One Awful loss to the Flyers, a game where their goaltender threw the game away on Saturday, and then a good win against Nashville. That's been their five games for a team with these high expectations. Five games in to have those five results. We're borderline on panic mode right now. They are nine points back of the Vegas Golden Knights right now. A nine. The expectations on the Oilers were to win the division, and they're nine points back of the lead and we are in the second week of the season that is disaster for edmonton there's there's a lot of times we're not we haven't hit double digits games yet but we are at five games and we are doing an assessment of them at five games and five games in it is bad and it cannot possibly be worse when your star player conor mcdavid is set to miss the next one to two weeks I want to ask you guys a question. I want to know who you think has had the opposite side of this debate. Which team in the National Hockey League has had the best start to this season? Because I I don't think the answer is just Vegas. Vegas obviously is undefeated. They have not lost a game, so it's hard to say anybody's been better than them. Colorado, also undefeated. They have not lost a game, but Vegas has played one more. Uh, Vegas has uh, five straight wins, and Colorado only has four straight wins. But based on things like expectations, Boston is 4-0 as well. Everybody thought Boston would take a step back. And the Detroit Red Wings are 5-1 and, and have been a scoring machine so far this season. So I think there's a lot of contenders for best start to the year. And in terms of worst start to the year, I think it's a Usain Bolt runaway victory for the Edmonton Oilers. Because teams like Anaheim and San Jose, they've been awful, but their their expectations were to be awful. This is a team that's expected to be good. And Seattle, I did think Seattle would take a step back, so I'm not too surprised that they are where they are. And the expectations on Seattle weren't the same as the expectations on Edmonton. So let me know what you think. Who do you have as the team that has the best start to this NHL season? I got Detroit, Boston, Vegas, Colorado as my top four contenders. That is not in any order. Those are just the group of four who I think have the best start to this year and i gotta rank them maybe on the next episode we'll see um and last thing easter seals ontario easter seals ontario a charity for kids with physical disabilities every year we raise money for this wonderful organization by playing in the eric Lindros celebrity classic we are doing it again the link to my page where you can donate is in the description if you have a couple bucks you can spare please send them our way for rachel's raiders our team at the eric Lindros celebrity Classic. The kids will really appreciate every dollar you can donate. Hit the link in the description if you can. And that is it for me today. Good night from Toronto. I'll see you again uh, Thursday evening. Maybe we'll do the teams with the best start to the NHL season. That sounds like fun. Also, uh, I, if you saw me like look away from like slightly past the camera, if you're watching on YouTube, it's because right behind the camera is Dolphins-Eagles. And they're in the third quarter, and it's a really good game right now. So I'm sorry if I peeked over uh, once or twice while I was talking to the camera. But that's it. I'm going to go watch that. All right. Have a good night. Take care. Thank you for being here. You could have been anywhere in the world that shows me here right now. I appreciate you. Thank you. And that is how it's done. Yay! The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Oh. Jesse Blake, the guy that likes to hear his name twice in one sentence. Sure, I know him.